Hello, friends, and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rupert. And I am Steve McDonough. And I'm going to stop you right now, Hans. Oh, what did I do already? Well, this is the part where you always make some interesting thing about about teasing what it is that we're going to do. If it's like mint, you always say it's like we're going to go through its green leafy backstory and stuff. And you you didn't do that yet today, did you? Well, I can I blame COVID? I had COVID since we last talked, so I'm kind of foggy in the head. So no, I didn't do that today. I feel okay, really I'm just saying that you just told me that you didn't do it. So I just want everybody to know that I'm going to force you to do it live. Let's oh, see how clever man. you are. Ready? Okay. Uh, where uh, uh, if you're new to But I Digest, on every episode, uh, we look at an ingredient or a food and we like to explore the backstory, celebrating all of the weird jiggly bits of it his- of its history, combining it with herbs and spices, celebrating its heroes as we shove it into, uh, is there a nice way to say this, uh, into its own intestines? <laughs> I, God, I, there's really, there's really not like a, a great way to, um, you know, to, uh, to to flower coat oh. this, but uh, and on today's episode, uh, our topic is, if, if you haven't guessed it from that, is um, bratwurst. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not a question of if they've guessed it. It's a question of if anybody is still listening. <laughs> yeah, shove um, it into its own intestine. God. All right, here we go, yeah, people. This yeah, is going to yeah. be a fun one. Yeah, it is, and Head I, I am its own intestine. Listen, I am fresh back from uh, from Germany, which uh, some of you might have heard last episode where I kind of rambled on about uh, my my journey to Germany. So I won't go into that too much. But um, and then those damn Germans gave you COVID. Oh, well, I think I got COVID at the Atlanta airport, to be honest, because um, oh. in Germany, they're still pretty mask heavy. Uh, but and even on the plane, a lot of people wearing masks. But when I got back to Atlanta, man, the sort of like cattle stockyard of humans coming into immigration there's no distancing there are no masks and if i had to pick a place where i got covid uh, that would be my guess because it was it was pretty uh, pretty tight with the peoples and the, the germs there mm. in atlanta um but yeah so i'm i'm back from germany i'm feeling so much better i again i had a, a good solid week of covid brain but the uh, the takeaway from Germany, of course, always great beer. Uh, I've mentioned the horseradish and the brown bed bread, but the thing I really wanted to, to look at was bratwurst because that term is used all over the country and it can mean slightly different things, but it definitely means something different here in the U.S. So like any of our episodes, I love to start with the history and you can't talk about worst without talking about the history of sausage. Now, that is a big giant you know kettle full so we're not going to do too much of that but let's let's talk a little bit because the cool thing about sausage is that it is one of the foods that really goes across every single culture right even the inuits are making seal and whale sausage right and in in every country they are i see you making a face i am making a face yeah but but they do and in china of course they make duck sausage they the practice of utilizing every single scrap of yeah, well of you know that's yeah. it's you had to and everything it's a, but the squeal is what they used to say <laughs> have you never heard that i've never heard that yeah that's what they did the chicago stockyards you know yeah. um everything but the squeal if if they could have figured out how to capture the squeal and and mm-hmm. put it in there i think they would have but that that technique and the uh it was a it came out of necessity right i mean necessity is the mother of all invention and you had to figure out a way, whether you were hunting or a farmer harvesting an animal, 
every bit of that protein was valuable, and it really could mean the difference between life and death, right? Getting through a cold, harsh winter, they would want to slaughter or hunt an item and then figure out a way to preserve that through those kind of lean lean months, which could be, again, in, in Alaska or in, in those extremes, it can be long, long, long term. We talked about pemmican. Do you remember pemmican on, uh, yeah, on the I cranberry just, episode? Uh, did a, if you're following us on Facebook, I just did a little pemmican yep. throwback. Uh, a little yesterday. throwback. Well, pemmican and pates and meatloaves and whatever, they're all in that sort of same family, right? It's a way to take a take a protein. You, you take all the little bits and you chop them up or you grind them up and you mix them with things. And in the case of pemmican, it was with cranberries. And you try to kind of dry them out and have them where they will preserve for the long haul, right? And and two of the big components of that are salt. And really salt was so incredibly valuable. In fact, the word salary comes from the word sal, the Latin word sal, which means salt. And you've heard people say, well, he's not worth his weight in salt. Soldiers, Roman soldiers used to get paid in salt and because it was so valuable for preserving meat. Shut the front door, really? Oh yeah. And so that's why they say he's not worth he's not worth his salt. Yep, and that's not why they, that's where salary comes yep. from from sal from front yep. salt. Isn't that wild? Yeah, no, I didn't know. See, now this is why you listen to the podcast. <laughs> this that's right. is is like you you get like one or two of these nuggets. I mean, the rest is crap, but you get one or two <laughs> of these nuggets that you can, you know, use at a dinner party. Well, like like a sausage, it's some meat and a lot of filler, right? That's exactly what we're doing. It's some little <laughs> choice bits and a whole bunch of <laughs> random bits shoved in there. So we're going to use that analogy throughout the show. Um, so, yes, yeah, salt was so important for preserving meat. So if you were a soldier and you killed a deer, what good is it if you can only eat it for a couple of days and the rest of it goes to wait? So, so if you had salt, um, which we could get into Salzburg, I mean, the whole thing of the salt mountain, that's so important. But anyway, so salt was one of the things that they used to make sausages. But the other thing was smoke. And the, the combination of salt and smoke together did a great thing is that they helped mm. drying out the excess liquid that was in the meat, right? When you when you chopped all those things up, there was a lot of extra moisture in there. Yeah. And bacteria loves that extra moisture. So if you're um, if you're using smoke, it kind of dries out, not to mention has a really nice flavor to whatever it is you're doing. Um, but they would hang these links of sausages in most homes. There was a hearth, right? They would have a fireplace to keep the house warm. And so there was always a little bit of a fire going you know, pretty much 24-7. And by hanging the meats and the sausages there, that smoked, uh, and they would turn them from time to time, but it would help dry out and sort of cure um, those meats for long-term storage. Wow. So uh, salt also is a great at inhibiting bacteria, but the cool thing is, is that it inhibits the bad bacteria, but doesn't really inhibit the good bacteria. So even like things like sauerkraut, you're adding salt, not just for the flavor, but it stops the growth of bad bacteria and it sort of encourages the growth of good bacteria. So uh, even with sausages, you can have uh, like on a salami, you've seen that kind of white powdery stuff on the outside. Yeah, yeah. That can be uh, evidence of good bacterial processes happening within the sausage that actually makes it easier for us to digest because the lactobacillus and other bacteria on there slightly kind of pre-work the, uh, again, as they're as they're taking that moisture out, they're they're preserving the meat, but also making it easier for us to digest. So it's a whole complex, hmm. beautiful process uh, in a uh, in a sausage. So that's again that transcends every culture, every history. But the other cool thing about sausage in general, it also kind of transcends social and economic classes. So whether you're rich, whether you're poor, 
you know, if if you lived in a in a hovel in a little shack or you lived in a castle, you ate sausages because that was a way that you had meat throughout the year. So right. that's one of those kind of neat things about sausages. Every culture in every class, it's not a rich man's food. It's not a poor man's food. It's kind of you know, sausage, the great yeah. equalizer. It is the great, right? The great I'm equalizer. I'm going to get you a bumper sticker. You're going to have to put that on your Volvo. Yes. Oh, no, your BMW. What is it? Uh, no, I'm driving an Audi. Yeah, Audi. close. Okay. You, got, you were close. Okay. Um, I'm going to make that bumper yes, sticker for you. do that. Now, so um, it is so easy to fall in the trap of making uh, sausage jokes. In fact, uh, we don't have the actual book, but the oldest known book of jokes, which is referenced in multiple other books, apparently there were a lot of sausage uh, jokes uh, in there. And it's sad that we don't have the actual jokes, but you can imagine what those jokes were. And, uh, and I'm sure there are going to be some uh, innuendos uh, sprinkled in here from time to time. But um, so, yes, yeah, sausage jokes are very cheap, easy, also transcend every every age, every whether you're a third grader or a 90 year old. There's always a good, uh, you know, sausage joke to be had. Um, so <laughs> just just to just to warn you ahead of time that we might fall into that trap. Not and me. Uh, well, you especially. And then, well, sometimes you are. Uh, and then, of course, the whole worst thing. So as we kind of now focus in on, on Germany, right, the German word for sausage is worst. And how easy is that? Is like the lowest hanging pun fruit that you can possibly get. I can't help mm -hmm. but make a best worst. Or, or maybe you can. I, but I don't or think maybe I can. you can because everybody, they already know it. <laughs> they already know your best worst jokes. They get it. Well, okay. Well, I will. I will strive not to make too many of those uh, those best work jokes. So I bet you uh, fail. Yeah, I will. It'll be the worst podcast ever. Um, so uh, the word brat. Now, here's where we start getting into sort of the, the etymology of the word bratwurst. It really comes from the old High German word breitwurst. So it would be B R A with the umlauts or B R A E T. And breit really meant finely chopped meat. So it's kind of confusing because in German, the word brat means to sort of pan fry or skillet. So you can have brat kartoffel, you can have brat, uh, you know, skilleted potatoes like cottage fries. You can have a pork roast, which would be a, a Schweinebraten. So brat means to kind of pan fry. But breit means finely chopped up meat. So it used to be in old German, it was breitwurst, which meant like finely chopped sausage or finely chopped meat sausage. But the way you cook it is you brought it, and so B-R-A-T. So it sort of just became bratwurst, even though it started as bratwurst. So I thought that's interesting that you are- It is very interesting that it means to fry. So were they frying the sausage? Well, it's uh, like skilleted, you know, so it's like pan fry, not deep fry, not like what we think of like French fries or whatever, but it's, you Very know, interesting yeah. because I'll, I will be getting into this later with uh, talking about the U.S. And, and the bratwurst and how popular they are in um, areas like Sheboygan in, in Wisconsin. But when they grill their uh, worst, they, call, they say they're frying them. Yeah. They, they, but they are not, in fact, fried. That's they right. They are grilled, but they say yeah. we're just going to fry up some brats. Yeah, I think that's where that's Interesting. That, I wonder that if confusion. that has something to do with it. Yeah, that, huh. that makes sense. And if you, uh, when you visit Germany, sometimes you will see roast bratwurst, which really means grilled bratwurst. Uh, so, yeah, there's some, I think the Germans are a little confused when it comes to uh, 
when it comes to what they're doing with their with their sausage. And again, we'll we'll stay away from that. Um, so one of the great things about Germany is just like with the beer, every city you go to has got a different brewery, and they also have a different sausage. So I want to talk just for a second about the word Frankfurter means it is in the style of Frankfurt, right? So it's a sausage right. in the style of Frankfurt. Right. Wiener is a sausage in the style of Vienna because the rest of the world doesn't call it Vienna. They call it Wien, which yes. is spelled W-I-E-N because Germans pronounce W's like V's. So the U.S. loves to change the name of foreign cities. So we call the city of München, we call it Munich, we call Wien, Vienna, we call uh, the city of Braunschweig, we call it Brunswick, even though there is a sausage called Braunschweiger, which we still call Braunschweiger. Um, but anyway, we like to change the name of, of cities. But um, the, the sort of ground meat patty that is popular in Hamburg was originally called a fricadella. And you can still order fricadella in Hamburg. But Americans really? call it. Uh, yeah, it's really good. They're usually served um, on one piece of bread with some onions on top. It's fricadella. Uh -huh. Uh, but put another piece of bread on top and it's that becomes adorable. It's, and it's, that fr is. it's freaking delicious too. It's a really good thing. <laughs> and you can eat it for brunch with a fried egg on top. Just uh, what? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, so, but anyway, so a hamburger obviously is from the, from the city of Hamburg. So, um, you know, when people refer to something as a wiener, and again, hold, hold for your, uh, your, your laughs here, but a wiener really should be pronounced wiener uh, because the W should be pronounced like a V and it's referring to it in the style of Vienna. So that's those long, skinny, kind of pinkish sausages that we kind of now think of as a, uh, as a hot dog. Um, so what you can also put on the grill and have a brat, it is a worst, it's a wiener worst or a Frankfurter worst. Um, but specifically bratwurst, there's there's a bit of a an argument, or I guess a a rivalry between two regions in Germany as to who invented what we think of as the bratwurst, right? There's always this this sort of rivalry, uh, and that is between the region of Thuringen and the region of Franken. Now, Franken or Franconia is in Bavaria, whereas uh, Thuringen's a little little north of that. So those two regions both kind of are very. Uh, What's the word? I'm territorial, right? They're very proud of who invented it. And I was just in the city of Nuremberg, which is in 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 uh, sorry in Franken, and they are absolutely obsessed with their version of bratwurst. And so I I don't really have a dog in that fight. I'm not going to say who wins the uh, that because there is no clear answer. But they were really 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 good in Nuremberg. And the thing that kind of surprised me was their Worse are kind of small, um, and that's what she said. Uh, so mm. it, yeah, there's number one. Sorry, mm. uh, but so when I when I sat down to the menu, you could only order them in multiples of six. Well, I have a hard time oh. eating, yeah, one. So I was thinking, what the hell am I going right. to do with right. six of these things? And I'm, I was by myself. I'd already dropped Ella off in Hamburg. I was on my way back to Munich, so I stopped there. Made a lot of pictures. We'll share those. Um, but I really thought, what am I? I'm going to have to find a dog or something. I have to. Figure, I don't want to waste it. You don't want to waste your worst. Uh, that would be the worst case scenario. So I. Um, oh, they just keep coming to me. I, I'm I'm filtering out some of them. I promise. So okay. anyway, um, but I was surprised to when the when the plate came. They are about a little longer than what we think of as like a breakfast sausage. They're very skinny. Um, you know, about the size of your index finger, maybe a little longer, and. Uh, they were also grilled over 
a wood fire. So they were they were short. So it was that that very pale consistency, which a true bratwurst is. Uh, they were grilled over a wood fire, and again, six of I ate six of them. So if it gives you any idea of the oh. size, the fact that yeah. I could eat six of them in a nice plate of sauerkraut. Um, they really were delicious. So again, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I will say anecdotally that Nuremberg, they've got it going on when it comes to, um, when it comes to bratwurst. So I looked into like, what is actually in bratwurst? Cause here in the, in the States, when you see bratwurst, it's very marbled looking like you see little pieces. Like when you just go and buy like a brat, you see like little different yeah. color variations and you can see little fat nobules and things, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and again, you don't want to think too much about what's in the sausage. I mean, there's a. There's a human well, filter, right? right? Exactly. You, you yeah. don't want to think too much about it. But I mean, you do kind of know that there is a percentage of fat in there that makes them so delicious. You want to have a little bit of fat in there to kind of give them some some moisture. So but in a, in a German bratwurst, it is very homogenous. Like when you cut into it, you see very little in terms of like specs or, or color variation. Uh-huh. And it is so a, a traditional German bratwurst recipe is almost always exclusively pork, although sometimes you'll see a pork and veal mix, but it's a lighter colored meat, no beef in there. Um, and then you'll, it'll have salt, white pepper, because again, you don't want to have those. Trying to keep it. Yep. Keep it. Uniform. Yeah. Um, and then nutmeg and mace, which throw back to a previous episode of, uh, of, but I digest on the nutmeg episode, you know, mace is the outer wrapping of, uh, of the nutmeg kernel. Yeah. And it also has some kind of preservative properties. It, it is a bacterial inhibitor. So it's actually good for the longevity of the sausage, uh, and marjoram. And we don't use a ton of marjoram in this country, but we it's, don't really do we, it's good. It, it's in the oregano family. So if you didn't yeah. have marjoram and you wanted to have a, have a crack at making your own, uh, worst, you could use, um, you could use oregano pinch, but that kind of takes it more in an Italian. It's almost like a like the milder cousin of oregano. It doesn't have that the punch of oregano. So, but as you travel around Germany, you'll see variations of of that sort of basic where they they add caraway or mustard seeds or parsley or summer savory, which is another herb that we don't use a lot of, uh, which is fantastic on beans if you ever have a chance to do beans and summer savory. Um, so you'll, again, you'll see these variations, but for the most part, they're pretty, pretty purists. And it is almost always in a, a, what they call a natural casing. And again, we, we like to leave a little mystery when it comes to our, <laughs> our, our worst, but a natural casing essentially means intestine, right? I mean, so that's, uh, it will be the pork intestine that they yeah. clean. Uh-huh. Um, but as they make the force meat, they put it into the intestine, they, they twist them, they kind of make those links that way, and then they smoke them. And, but that's it's like that German is, chitlins. It is German chitlins. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but that is, that's kind of the thing. Now, the thing about using a natural casing, do you know the word knock? K-N-A, it's not, a, this is not a knock knock joke, but K-N-A-C-K. Oy. K-N-A-C-K, knock, 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 no. But it has a, the word itself, because they pronounce the K, it's not a silent K, um, it has a click sound to it, right? Knack. Yes. That is the official word, because Germans have a word for everything, as we've discussed. Um, That is the sound of the snap sound, when you bite into a good sausage. Like, you want it to have that knack. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And a artificial casing, which is usually made as a vegetable-derived product, um, it was great at holding the shape of the sausage, but it doesn't have that pop, that knuck. I'm snapping oh, every time wow, I do it. Oh, wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So that is something that is very highly prized uh, in Germany is who has – which sausage, which region has the best knuck. 
And it's not just intrinsic in the way they make it. It's also how you cook it. Because if you typically they poach the sausage first, sometimes in beer, before then it goes into the skillet or on the grill. Right. If you poach them too fast, the, the, the casing will split or it'll get thin or it'll break at the ends. And what you want is you want that pressure to build up but not actually break out. So when you're biting into it, you're the one causing that, like popping a balloon, right? Just yeah. that satisfaction, that canuck. So oh, wow. um, there's, uh, there is actually a type of bratwurst you might have heard of. It's called a knackwurst or in, in the U.S. Uh, aren't we, friends, aren't we learning a little <laughs> something today? Yeah, sometimes too much. Now, and, and sometimes in the U.S. it's called knockwurst, which is spelled yeah. K-N-O-C-K, but it really is knockwurst. Oh. And that version usually has garlic in it as well. So it's a slightly different thing. And then they, it's um, usually a little pinker, like so it'll have a little more yeah. almost like uh, um, like how when you when you cure bacon, it has a kind of a pinker color to it. Uh-huh. Uh, so they cure it a little more uh, and it's um, it's oftentimes smoked. But that is the one that is famous for that that, that satisfying pop when you bite into it is the Knackwurst. It's a variation of the Bratwurst. Uh, and I like to have them both together. We used to do a German platter at, uh, at our restaurant. Yeah. And we'd have one Bratwurst, one Knackwurst with a with German potato salad, sauerkraut. Bob's your uncle. Or Franz is your uncle. Man, that is uh, – that's a great uh, – that's a great meal. Um, so now we talked about – do you remember about two – that's what she said jokes ago. I talked about how Frankfurters are named after the city of Frankfurt, right? So that became a problem in World War II because there were a lot of Germans in this country, and especially up in your neck of the woods, a lot of Germans. And they're kind of, you know, there's this very anti-German thing going in. And, and so a lot of things started getting renamed for the better or for the worse. So the cockroaches got the name German cockroaches because they were trying to vilify oh. uh, the Germans. The German measles had nothing to do with Germany, but they were trying to vilify the Germans. So German oh. measles, German German mumps, the German cockroaches, they were trying to make the Germans a bad guy. So they, they called bad things German. And they the good things that were German, they wanted to rename. So sauerkraut became Liberty Cabbage. And Liberty, oh, Liberty, America, oh, Lady America. Liberty. There she is, there Lady, she Liberty. Is Lady Liberty. <laughs> Inside joke. Sorry. Um, we'll tell that story one day. No, it's not that interesting. No, it's not. Anyway, but go it's on. Funny. So, uh, and they also were trying to rebrand Frankfurters as Liberty Pups. Uh, because the the slang term of hot dog was already around, right? I mean, it was already yeah. a thing for a kitchen hot dog. But that's kind of the point where historians see that the chain, because Frankfurter, you'd get beans and Franks or Frankfurters on toast. or Frankfurter was a pretty common term that was used. You don't see it that much anymore. You'll no. see it on some packaging, but it's not an everyday term. No. Uh-uh. And that's really 1943 is when they can kind of pinpoint is that the Congress even tried to pass that. We had the same thing um, during yep. one of the wars with the, with the was, French. What were they called the fries? They were Liberty, Liberty. Oh no, Liberty Freedom Fries. fries. Freedom, freedom fries, I think. fries. Freedom Fries. Freedom Fries. Yes. Uh, well, they were trying to keep the FF. Freedom, uh, you freedom know, Fries and French fries, pups. Freedom Fries. Oh my God. Um, so luckily, you know, um, the same didn't really happen with Wieners or, or Wieners uh, because most Americans didn't know that the city of Wien was. In Austria, like, you know, the, the term mm-hmm. Wiener didn't ring any German kind of bells, even though Austria was part of Germany at that point. And even if they did give two thoughts about Austria, they would, get, you know, they would think about Apple Strudel and Mozart. Not quite Sound of Music yet. I guess that would come a little later. Um, 
But luckily, the Liberty Pups uh, name didn't stick or when you went to the stadium and you wanted to order, uh, you know, a $12 snack that should cost $2, mm-hmm. you would be ordering a, a Liberty Pup instead of uh, instead of what we what the Americans call a bratwurst. Got it. That's see. And I, I think of brats very. I don't even think of Germany, really, when I think of them, because I think about the Midwest. Because yeah. it wasn't such a big deal on the East Coast, the way it is here where I live now. And it always seems odd to me if I'm here and we're having a cookout and people are like, oh, I'm doing burgers and hot dogs and brats. And I'm, I've always thought, well, isn't a brat just a fat hot dog? Why are we right. doing burgers and hot dogs and yeah. fat hot dogs? So yeah. <laughs> I'm understanding more. But ground zero for the U.S. brat is Wisconsin, where, as you were saying, uh, there's over 40 percent of the residents today claim German ancestry in Wisconsin. Wow. There's loads of renowned immigrants there. We talked about Schlitz and Pabst and Blatz. And I still love saying that so much <laughs> uh, in the beer episode. And they were making Milwaukee famous for brewing. But so, of course, all the sausages are being popularized there as well because of the, the community. And uh, in a state where the brat is king, Johnsonville was the number one national brand of brats. And that's located about uh, 20 minutes from Sheboygan. And that started as a mom and pop butcher shop in an unincorporated Wisconsin town on the banks of the Sheboygan River. And Johnsonville Sausage is named after the town of Johnsonville. But fun fact, Johnsonville was originally called Schnapsville. Oh. But the residents petitioned to change it to something more respectable. And I don't I don't know, but I kind of like Schnapsville. It sounds, you know, minty and kind of college. I got to say, I, I went to Schnapsville many a time when I visited. Right? Aldria. I don't have that and many memories, memories of my time in Schnapsville. Time but in I know Schnapsville? I went there. I know I yeah, went there. It's a state filled with blatzes and paps <laughs> and schlitzes. What's the problem with a couple schnapses? Oh, man, I would move there. Now, can I can I get like a passport where I can be like a. A triple citizen I can be a German citizen, an American citizen, and a Schnapsville. A citizen. resident of Schnapsville. Here's my <laughs> Schnapsville card. So, if Wisconsin is the brat epicenter of the U.S., then Sheboygan is um, the whatever is the center of an epicenter. They said there wouldn't be science on the test today. <laughs> what is the center of an epicenter? That's that's it. That's the epicenter center. Epicenter. Epicenter center. The center of the epicenter. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Sheboygan is a surf destination? By the way. What are they surfing on? Beer foam? (laughs) (laughs) Um, For over 50 years, it's known as the Malibu of the Midwest. It's the freshwater surf capital of the world because of its location and geography. It has some of the best waves on the Great Lakes. Now, you can surf all year, but really the prime time is in the winter in September and March. And so here are some of these like Wisconsinites with their Wisconsin skin getting in their, you know, in their wetsuit and surfing. I, I salute you. Yep. Yep. Go for it. Not me. I'll watch from my warm television. I don't know. I had no idea. So let's talk about, you were talking about how to cook them. Sheboygan style brats. Now Sheboyganites insist that the brats must be grilled over charcoal but as I just told you, instead of grilling, they say fry. So the, mm. the colloquial phrase is a brat fry. Uh, and again, they're not frying them, they're grilling them. But <laughs> I think that we learned a little interesting thing today about how brat means fries. Um, the Sheboygan brat is served on a Kaiser roll or a Kaiser semmel. That originated in Austria. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, I'm from 
you know, New York and New Jersey. And that's like, that's our role. It's a hard circular bun there. Uh, they've got a signature kind of star pattern on the top of the roll that you use that you get by either using a stamp into the roll or more traditional way of folding the bread over itself. And it's got a thin, crunchy crust. It's light and fluffy inside, and it's perfect for any type of sandwich. But, you know, on the East Coast, you're going to put a fried egg on there and some Taylor ham. It's also perfect for liverwurst because you get the crunch of the roll oh, yeah. and then the soft bread and then yes. the soft, soft liverwurst. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah, so good, really right? Good. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, I heard someone describe it as an eggshell crust, hmm. which I think is a great phrase. Yeah. The point being that the crust should shatter like an eggshell. It's got, some, it's got some. It's got some kanak. It's got like bread kanak. If there's it's such got a bread kanak. <laughs> so as for the Sheboygan brat, the Kaiser roll is sliced and buttered after you slice it, uh, and you can order a single brat in your Kaiser semmel. But a true brat enthusiast is going to go with a double. So you're getting two brats because it's a round roll. Oh yeah. So in order to fill it up, you've got yeah. to have two brats. So yeah, that's it, what they do. Listen, the bread to brat ratio is important, right? I think if you have too much bread, not enough brat, you're just chewing on a bunch of bread. Right. And I, I saw on the, in my uh, my very deep research in this, there's a, a style now called the bread handle, where you rip a roll in half and you're using half a roll for one brat. So you're using the roll to hold the sausage, and that way you can dip the sausage in the mustard, and then you can eat a little bread, and so. It's a half a roll per brat. So that makes the equation works out two brats per huh. one roll. So I thought that was an interesting way to uh, engineer that. A bread handle. A bread handle. All right. So this Sheboygan brat, you uh, grill it or fry it over medium low heat. You got to wait until your coals are ashy and whitish. And this is what you and I were talking about. You don't fry your brat over high heat because it has a pretty tough casing, but too hot a fire is going to burst the casing on yep. the brat. All that delicious juiciness will be lost to the flames. Plus, the juice is flammable and will cause more flame, and you'll end up with a dried, charred brat. But you know what do I know, people? What do, don't you don't have to listen to me? What do I know? <laughs> but now, have you ever been to a cookout where somebody wants theirs dried and like black? Yes, I'm that way with bacon. Well, I'm true. that way with bacon. I want I to be able that. to look at it and it for it to shatter with the yeah. stare. That, you want it to be carbon dated. Like if somebody yes. would have to come and like say this, yes. this is a 5,000 year old bacon. You're like, it's perfect. It's ready. Yes. So uh, to that end, like that, that people who like that brat, that's yeah. super dry. I don't get it, but yes. Yeah. To each their own. Also most very important. You have to use your fingers. You put the brat on the grill with your fingers. You uh, turn it over with your fingers. Cause if you use a fork, you're going to puncture your brat casing. You lose your Canuck. You'll lose your Canuck. And you have, so to get, you have to get the knack of, of, turning, of turning it with your fingers. The Canuck of, never mind. Trying to do a double pun there you, didn't work. You, you interrupted me for I Canuck. know it. it was, I'm the worst. Good. <laughs> You're such an ass. Okay, so that's Sheboygan. Uh, they go package to grill, right? But many a Wisconsin Bratmaster insists on a beer bath. So here's the beer summer pre-grill situation. While your coals are heating up, getting gray, slice up some onions, place, place those into a pan with your brats and fill with enough beer to cover the sausages. You bring this beer bath to a boil and then you drop the heat to barely a simmer. Uh, let the brats soak in this um, for about 20 minutes. And then when the coals have cooled enough, uh, transfer them to the grill. The brats are gonna be cooked already. So they just need like, you know, six, eight minutes on the grill to get nice and brown. Now, some folks say it should be used the other way around. You give it a quick grill uh, and then put them 
into a beer bath before you put them on the bun. But you know, whatever, 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 uh, whatever makes you happy. I have a, I have my own version of that, and that is, you put the beer in you. So <laughs> while 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 the broth is on the grill, you put the beer in you, and then it all works out. It all gets, you know, it all gets there. <laughs> so there is a lot of brat festivals, and I was. And there is some drama with the Brat Festivals. In 1952, the Sheboygan Press uh, dubbed Sheboygan the Bratwurst capital of the world. So we're going to, this is going to be the theme. Yes. This is going to be the theme of what I'm talking about. Uh, Are these Bratwurst people like just taking their own titles? Like the Sheboygan Press just like publishes, do you know who's the Bratwurst capital of the world? It's me. And they put that in the paper. So they said that uh, during the outside fry season, which would be, you know, grilling season for those of us in other parts of the world, uh, Sheboyganites were frying about 119 miles of bratwurst links. Wow. So the next year was Sheboygan's 100th anniversary, and they premiered Bratwurst Day. It was and still is sponsored by the Sheboygan JCs. So the mayor at that time designated August 13th as Bratwurst Day, read a proclamation. Whereas this, this, this is how he spoke. Whereas this community has achieved national fame and recognition for the exclusive manufacture of a special kind of roasting sausage, all citizens and visitors are to refrain from roasting bratwurst on their own grills and will attend and enjoy the bratwurst festivities in the city of Sheboygan. I love your voices. That that's really one I wanted for my birthday. Uh, I just turned fifty, by the way. I just want <laughs> yeah, you let's to, just turn fifty. Uh, I just next year, maybe for my fifty-first, I want you to just do the entire podcast in that voice. <laughs> so they they renamed their streets Bratwurst Boulevard and Onion Oasis, and they served up seven thousand pounds of brats, and they buried wow. a time capsule that will be op- to be opened a hundred years later, which is twenty fifty-three, which is like tomorrow. Okay. So if you can imagine how. If, that, if that's how successful it was in year one, you can imagine how much it grew. So by 1966, which was only 13 years later, due to like drunkenness, hello, of course, it's a Bratwurst festival. You can get some <laughs> drunkenness and uh, vandalism, but all right, let's just go back to the drunkenness. Um, they canceled the festival in favor of German days and Sheboygan days, mm. which is not as exciting, right? No, no, no. So do you know who knew it wasn't as exciting? Bucyrus, Ohio. Bucyrus, Ohio sees this unmanned grill and they're like, we're the captain of the brats now. Seize so, the opportunity. Yeah. So they start up their own stuff. So the Sheboygan Press a couple years later is like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So again, they they print an article that says, arise Sheboygan bratwurst lovers. Bucyrus is trying to steal our stuff. So Bucyrus is like, bring it on Sheboygan. And they charter a jet for the Sheboygan mayor and the Sheboygan press. I'm going to say Sheboygan press so many times uh, <laughs> to attend the Ohio festival. So here's where it gets cool. The Sheboygan cont- contingent, right? They get off the jet with 120 bratwurst, 60 Kaiser rolls. That's 60 doubles. If you're going to do the math, I won't make you do it, but that's 60 double sandwiches. And wait for it. A judge, a real judge who has a court injunction. So this judge, Judge John Bolgert, he uh, renders a decision bestowing the title of Bratwurst Capital of the World upon Sheboygan and bars all other claimers from using it. Uh, and he, he spoke like this. That by virtue of claim and also by virtue of performance, it is the judgment of this court that Sheboygan is the Bratwurst Capital of the World. Nice. I think yeah. I like that one better. 
Yeah. So the Sheboygan delegates, they make their brats for the people at, at the Bucyrus Chamber of Commerce. And they're like, you know, yo, your Sheboygan bratwurst is tasty, but it doesn't compare to our Bucyrus, Ohio bratwurst. And the Bucyrus newspaper said that the Sheboygan bratwurst was the type of sausage one would get in the morning with breakfast. Oh. So yeah. the Sheboygan press, they're ticked, right? And they accuse Buc the Bucyrus brat makers of stuffing their sausage casings with sauerkraut and sawdust. Wow. Oh. Yes, shade. Yes. And then further, the Ohio mayor, Bucyrus, Ohio mayor, states that their city has long been acknowledged and acclaimed as the bratwurst capital of America. Mm. Sheboygan's like, damn it, we forgot about America. We said <laughs> we claimed the world, but Bucyrus claims America. So they've agreed to disagree. So when Sheboygan uh, gets its 125th anniversary in 1978, Bratwurst Day makes a comeback. 35,000 people jammed into this park. They went through brats so quickly, they were going to have a brat eating contest. They didn't have any brats left for the brat eating contest. Those, those little porkers had to sit on that... <laughs> On, on that, that on that stage on that dais for an hour waiting for for enough brats to be cooked for the uh, bratwurst eating contest they had to delay it an hour but well. they also have and i'm going to put this on facebook for you because you know i love an inflatable mascot i mean we've discussed some mascots oh, yeah. before they've got the bratmeister and he's a nine foot tall inflatable man you know like like those inflatable uh uh, uh sumo wrestler costumes oh yeah 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 it's like that, but he's dressed in later hosen. Oh, and no. it's, oh God, he's so cute. When he walks, he kind of jiggles. All right, so uh, the Bratmeister came. Nice. So in 2004, we go back to Johnsonville. They become the title sponsor and Brat Days become Johnsonville Brat Days, which is coming up the first weekend in August, Hans. Oh, is it really? It is. And uh, how far trip? is Sheboygan from me? Yeah, I don't know, actually. Is it it's close? It's two hours. Oh, that, but how far are you from me? But uh, I can get a cheap flight. Do we need to go? Do I need to get oh, an inflatable can you costume? Imagine? Well, well, you also you have to bring your surfboard. Oh, yeah, that's right. Surf's up. So, yeah, it's a two weeks longest. But in it, and here's the saddest news. This looks like it's the last year. Whoa. So yeah, we really it looks like need to go. Looks like they're stopping it. And uh, I don't want to go over in time, but I got to tell you this. There's... Uh, the Sheboygan Press, by the way, the, she the damn Sheboygan Press, I, they had this article about that was titled, all right, listen, people, it was titled this, Sheboygan's Brat Days will no longer be a weekend event after 2022. Here's why it's changing. Well, I need to know that for the podcast, right? I need to tell sure. you why it's, why it's changing. So it won't let me in without becoming a subscriber. And I'm like, I got to subscribe to the Sheboygan Press and pay <laughs> so that I can get this article, but I have to do it because I because this is what it's I do for you it's people. It's research. This is what I do, right? So I enter Sheboygan Press, I put in my email address and I get back a thing that says, this email address is already taken. And I'm like, I'm already a member of the Sheboygan <laughs> Press. Like, what is my life that I'm a member of the Sheboygan Press and I didn't even know it? How did I become a member of the Sheboygan Press? Maybe it's honorary. Maybe it's like when they bestow an honorary doctoral, you know, maybe you're an honorary press member because you know, of the at podcast. At some point in my life, I've gone there already to the Sheboygan Press. <laughs> What is happening in my life? <laughs> to be on your resume, I just on your accolades. Yeah. So anyway, 
The title is Sheboygan's Brat Days Will No Longer Be a Weekend Event After 2022. Here's why it's changing. In a statement shared with the Sheboygan Press by the JCs, it's a fluid situation and the future is to be determined. Uh. The JCs didn't provide more information to the Sheboygan Press about what led to the change. Dude, I just <laughs> subscribed again <laughs> because you said, here's why it's changing. And your article says, no one will tell us why it's changing. Yeah, that's, uh, no, I think you can, you can uh, demand a refund on that on grounds of false advertising. Over you, Sheboygan Press. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, but the Bucyrus Bratwurst Festival is coming up third weekend in August. We can go there too, 18, 19, and 20. It's an hour north of Columbus. They have a Bratwurst Queen. They have parades. And they have, get this, a pretty baby contest. Now, take a moment, people. <laughs> I'm going through their website. And it's like pretty baby contest, pretty baby contest. And I keep clicking on it to see if at any point somebody called it the cutest brat. Oh, that'd be great. A little brat. brat. A little brat. I love that. That's a great no name. No one in Bucyrus thought of that. No. I, God, that's cute, great. The cutest baby contest at a brat fest. No, that's no one perfect. No thought of this? That's perfect. Idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm over them now, too. Well, well the aunts, that's they have dangerous. a pigtail contest. They have a what contest? A pigtail contest. So, like, people wearing pigtails? Yeah, but it's $5 to enter. Yeah, I got to grow my hair out between now and then. Al, well, you would have to because one of the rules is no imitation hair is permitted. Ah, uh, dang it. There goes my plan B. <laughs> and of course, maybe they could take those pigtails and make them into some kind of, you know, bratwurst headpiece. If you can vision that, like fashion yeah. them into bratwurst, like the one that they did in today's version of Star Strike! Oh, my God. Oh, man. I we I you know what I I I hate to say it I got blindsided again because we didn't do it last week because I was solo last week I that wasn't even on my radar. All right, this is a, actually a really really easy one. I really think you're going to get this, and it's easy because we have to go over the last installment in detail. Okay. Okay. This is easy. What Broadway musical features a Vegas showgirl number with scantily clad chorus girls sporting a pretzel headpiece? a giant frothy beer stein headpiece, and a giant knockwurst headpiece while Hitler sings. Oh, oh, is the, 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 yeah, 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 the, the producers? The producers. Yes, 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 that's, that's one I know. Wait, yay. Yes, yes, okay. So I want to give you an easy one because you did not get the last one in the last installment of Stump the Straight Guy was during our okra episode because right. you know we've had a couple of weeks because we were both away. So the clue was this darkly comic Southern fairy tale involves a charming gentleman bandit, an evil thief who carries his brother's head around in a trunk, a sack of okra, a cart of goat shit. And I told you it was written by Alfred Urey with music by Robert Waldman. And you accused me of making it up. I'd never, I still had never, I mean, I had to, I had to Google it afterwards. Never. And you said, you said, is there any way you could possibly know this? And you said there was no way that could possibly know this. At least that's what I think. Natalie, can you play the uh, pl play that little clip for me? Are you making this up? Hans, uh, is there any way you could possibly know this, Hans? I mean, listen, I, I really don't know if it's not, if Deliverance wasn't a musical, right? Just, uh, and then what's the other yes one? Yes or um, no, Hans? Is there oh, any brother, way you could possibly down? know this? No, I don't know this. I There's have no There's no idea. way you could possibly know this. Yeah. Okay. Any yeah. reaction to that? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I'd said um, if Deliverance was a musical or Brother, yeah. where aren't thou? All right. So you I, said there's no possible way you could know this. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get back in the wayback machine to the episode 
directly before this with the iceberg lettuce episode. Natalie, the it was it went so badly. Uh, the lyrics were by Alfred Urey and music by Robert Waldman. Um, they wrote, have you ever heard of the Robber Bridegroom? No. It's a, it's a really terrific one. They wrote that as well. But anyway. Yeah, you you mentioned that uh, the I gave you the answer. You did, you did, but, uh, but I, <laughs> having not seen them, it didn't submit. I mean, you mentioned so many musicals. I'm not making an excuse. I'm so proud that you know all those things, and I know none of them. So I was there. You dropped not just a breadcrumb. You dropped a Kaiser roll. I did. I dropped a Kaiser roll. <laughs> I cracked myself up with that one. I had to plan that for weeks. Yeah, that's to maniacal. tell you the answer and then undermine you the following week. That was a whole yes. A whole when you were like, I could not possibly know it. Oh, yes. God, I was you eating did. that. Man, that was really good. That was really good. That I Listen, that is your evil genius trait coming out in full bloom. I love that. <laughs> All right. So let me let me wrap it up with uh, the last festival in Madison. They have a brat fest and they do that every Memorial Day since 83. They call themselves the world's largest brat fest with fireworks, carnival. They've raised more than $2 million to charities. And it started in the parking lot of a family grocery store, Metcalf's Market. And he had a Weber grill, a table and three chairs, just to say thank you to his customers. It's gotten so big that uh, Johnsonville came on board in 2001 as the official brat for this festival. They've sold uh, 210,000 brats in 2010, which was a world record, or at least they say it is because as we're seeing, these brat folks are really are, are, are they're just stuffing their own casings, <laughs> as we say. I'm yes. just making that saying up and it's a good one, right? Oh, man, yes, I love it. Just stuffing his own casing. Yep. So, you know, there's, you know, we're the Bratwurst capital of America. We're the Bratwurst capital of the world. Tim Metcalf, the son of the Bratfest founder, says Madison is known as being the brat capital of the world. And I'm like, damn it, I am not good at geography, but that's too many capitals. Yeah, it's too many capitals. And and did anyone ever just like knock on Germany's front door and say, hey, just by comparison, what are you, Germany's just sitting back going, y'all have fun with your little, uh, you know, we're sort of the broad capital of the universe, but you guys can can play with all the other titles. <laughs> you know, like what, what the hell? Oh, well, so there you go. That that's those are my those are my festivals. And are you going to give us a really good recipe today? I, I am going to. About... I am going to for sure. So I think it's uh, it's that time. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So as we were making our little tour around Germany before I left my daughter there, we spent three weeks traveling and then I dropped her off. Uh, we went to the Hofbrauhaus. In fact, actually, our first night in Munich, we went to the Hofbrauhaus. And it's almost like a, a kitschy American tourist thing. But at the same time, it is a fantastic place to go. I to would beers. love to go. No, it really is. I mean, so I love it. it checks all of the boxes for every tourist. But at the same time, locals still go. In fact, you can buy your Stein, which, you know, which is a traditional big ceramic or glass beer mug and locals will there's like a like a locker where you can lock and key leave your stein there and then when you go you unlock it and they you drink from your stein so it is it's both loved by locals and tourists which is a rare thing but they always have live music and the music is so infectious and it's again it's campy it's that it's what you think of when you think of this umpa music and the food at the Hopper House is also on point. It's really good. So they have this little song uh, that's always played where there is, uh, it's kind of a, do you know the call and answer style music? You know, where like a man will sing something and then the lady will sort of yeah. answer. I mean, that's kind of in a lot of musicals, you have that. 
thing. Well, there's this call. You don't know shit about musicals. Don't come at me with musicals. (laughs) Well, so, but I know this from from the Hofbrauhaus, House, and it's basically the man. Is it in Robert Bridegroom? Because that's the only musical I I I know. I don't know. Um, It's it's in uh, it's not in uh, the producers, but the the man will say, "Hey, would you know? uh, Would you like this?" And she says, "No." She answers and she says, "No, I would like this." And then he says, "Well, how about this?" And she says, "No, this." And it it's kind of a way for the audience to get hungry because they're thinking about these food items. So it's not a it's not a reciting of the menu, but there's a lot of the menu items that are being kind of bantered back and forth. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that gets mentioned quite often, the, the lady kind of keeps kind of saying, Nein, ich will ein Wurstsalat, which meaning is like whatever he just suggested, she's saying, no, I think I'll have a Wurstsalat, which is basically a, a sausage salad where they take um, par-cooked sausages, they cut them into thin coins or sometimes in strips, depending on the region, uh, and they mix them with pickles because everything's better with pickles uh, and onions and some of the vinegar from the pickles and uh, sometimes some radishes. And uh, it really, you know, it's a very loose description of the word salad. So don't expect yeah, to yeah. find much in the way of, uh, of greens, but it is a really good cold preparation and it's great on piece of, uh, of brown bread. And uh, but it is a very Bavarian regional thing. And it's also a great way to utilize your leftover bratwurst. You cut them into, into coins and you make a salad, hold it in the fridge for a few. It's one of those salads that the longer it sits, the better it gets yeah. because the sausage absorbs the uh, the vinegar and the dressing that you make. So it's I like, will. It's like the Italian version with, with the salami and you yeah. know, celery and onion and red peppers, all of those. Exactly right. And speaking, think of that. speaking of that, you know, the Italian uh, panzanella that sometimes has leftover bread in there. Right, right. Sometimes you will find a version of the Versalat which has leftover pretzels uh, that have been tossed <gasps> Stop into it. there. Yeah, oh, which is, oh, oh, I want to go to there. Yeah, it is so. And when you go to the Hofbrauhaus, House, the pretzels are bigger than your head. You know, they're yeah. giant. Um, and it's so good. But anyway, uh, I will include the the original Hofbrauhaus version of the verse Salat. And I'm trying to find the song to share with you as well. When I there apparently there's some punk band that did a version, but it's nothing like the original. So when you Google the verse Salat song, it's this hard on the ears. It, it's it's the worst. Um, so what what are we drinking today with uh, with our with our verse? Well, I mean, if we're doing if we're doing, you know, brats and beer, I have to do beer. There's not a ton of uh, of beer cocktails, but I thought let's talk about a shandy. Now, a shandy is because it's the summer. I mean, you know, it's July right now for us. Shandy is a 50 50 mix of uh, like a blonde ale, like a Pilsner or something with lemonade or lemon soda. The word shandy comes from the old British name shandy gaff which is a drink that was first mentioned in the 1850s relating to beer mixed with ginger ale. But in England, when you order a lemonade, like if you say I want a lemonade, you're getting a lemon soda. So often Americans think that a shandy is beer with our version of lemonade, lemon, sugar, water, when really you want to not dilute the beer and keep the carbonation with a good quality lemon soda. Now, I'm not talking about like 7-Up or Sprite. I'm talking about those European ones you see in the supermarket and kind of those slender, tall bottles. That's my suggestion. Now, mind you, I am not canocking a a beer with true American uh, lemonade. It's also delicious. Yeah, it is. Uh, But I do like to keep the uh, effervescence of the beer with the lemon soda. No, that's a great point. Good point. Uh, yeah. Now, it also uh, predates the Rattler. The Rattler comes from a Bavarian tavern. Uh, the owner, uh, Franz Kugler, 
he invented that out of necessity in 1922 when he was running low on beer and he had a bunch of cyclists in. So he mixed his beer with lemonade and served it to the cyclers. And what is the German word for cycler, Hans? Rad. Yeah, R-A-D is a bike. Like Rad is a bicycle. Yeah, so Radler yeah. is a bicyclist. Yeah. There you go. So Shandies and Radlers are very much the same, uh, but Shandies are a little more encompassing because they can include ginger ale, ginger beer, maybe apple juice, whereas uh, Radlers are more kind of citrus dependent, yeah. Yeah. grapefruit, orange. So um, they're, they're, they're brother and sister. They're very similar. And uh, it's a regional thing too. Let me just point out that yeah, if you yeah. are in Bavaria, it's a Rodler. North of Bavaria, you can order a Rodler and they're going to know what you're talking about, but they would call it an Ulster, A-L-S-T-E-R. So that's a very regional thing. If you by default order an Ulster, you know it's somebody that's not Bavarian. If you by default order a Rodler, you're typically Bavarian in Germany. Oh. Same thing. All right. Well, I think the other difference is that shandies are something uh, that are super easy to make at home. If you want something after, after cutting the lawn, it's perfect. Uh, Rodlers are, um, I find that they're already delicious in the bottle. So You're I right. would make a shandy at home, but I would purchase a Rodler. And, uh, oh, and by the way, I uh, of those kind of like lighter Pilsners and stuff, uh, I like a wheat ale because it already has a bit of a citrus profile. No, that's a good, good point. Uh, very quick. So my last, last, last night in Germany. So it's a little town called Haar, H-A-A-R. And uh, it was 15 minutes before the markets closed. And the market closest to my hotel, um, they they had one type of cold beer, which was a Rodler. So I bought the ready-made Rodler. I got back to my hotel room. It was so delicious. And I was a good three-fourths through it before I realized it was a non-alcoholic version. And it was I, I would have never known if it hadn't set it on. It was it. so good. Um, so I kind of had a conversation with the uh, the uh, person at the airport the next day I was speaking with that said that German alcohol-free beers are, have reached a new level. So I'm excited to try a few more of those because alcohol hits me pretty hard these days, uh, or can. So the idea of a, an alcohol-free, refreshing Rodler with my yeah. lunch, whatever, is a great thing. Yeah, I agree. There's some really good you know, Heineken makes a really good alcohol-free beer, but we're, yep. we, but we digest. But we digest. Sounds good. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So if you would like any of these recipes, as always, go to our website, butidigestpodcast.com. We're getting a good, good collection of recipes out there now. Uh, if you want to email us, which you never do, uh, that's buttidigestpodcast at gmail.com, Facebook and Instagram, buttidigestpodcast, Twitter, buttidigestpod. Also on our website, you will find a link to Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. As always, special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico. Special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. And if you're enjoying our show, will you just tell your pals? Yep, that's uh, that is so important, and you know we uh, we took a little hiatus there, and and the world kind of got uh, got a little serious in our hiatus, and it it hit particularly close to home. Steve, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, for the those of you who don't know, and I have been putting this on Facebook, and it, I think it I think it actually confused people because they didn't realize I was talking about the fact that I I live in Highland Park, uh, where the Fourth uh, of uh, July shooting was, and it's been it's 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 been brutal. So uh, one of the things that I would like to say is uh, the most lovely thing happened yesterday um, down by the train station, right? I mean, this is in the middle of downtown. Highland Park is not in, it's 23 miles from Chicago. 
you generally take a train to Chicago. And we all like walk downtown to get ice cream. It's that kind of neighborhood. But downtown, there are, there is like, I don't know how to explain it. it it's kind of like a, a covered walkway area, you know, poles with kind of a glass roof on top of it. It's over by the train station that I think maybe people would like wait for the train there. It's, it's pretty, pretty long over by, over by the train. And we had a memorial there, which was six, excuse me, seven of the photos of, uh, of the people we lost that were murdered that day. And it wasn't enough. It was just I mean, obviously it was sad, but the memorial itself, it needed something. And this local artist friend of mine, uh, Jackie Edelman, she was there yesterday wrapping all of the posts in this orange um, yarn. And people who were just walking past to look at the memorial were helping her. And she had all multicolored orange yarns. And some yarns look like snuffleupagus, as she was saying. And some were like sparkly. And she's wrapped this in all this lovely, warm, fuzzy, textural uh, yarn. And people are, are taking little oak tag signs and writing messages and tying them in there. And it was really special. It was really lovely. Now, orange apparently is the color for uh, a ribbon for gun violence. And uh, just a shout out to Jackie. I mean, she just took it on herself and it's her own equipment. She just said, I'm going to make this a more welcoming uh, memorial. And God, it's just, it's my, it's my favorite thing today. Well, and I have to say, being from a small town, when you think Chicago, like, or you hear Highland Park, and you think it's a suburb of Chicago, and you're thinking like big, big town. And but I, having been to Highland Park, it is a small town, and it is a community of people that, like you said, you walk to get an ice cream or a coffee, or and it's, it is, it is America. And when things like that, it's so easy to kind of say, oh, that happened over there, or that in the big city, or whatever it is, but. Um, it hits, you know, especially hard for me as well, knowing, of course, you live there, but having been there, having walked, having gotten an ice cream and a coffee there, um, it is, um, it really brings it, 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 it's pause for reflection. And that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing that, that you saw. Well, with that, because uh, now I can't make a joke, but I can say, uh, you know, God bless us all. Keep us safe. Thank you all for listening. Um, are we done here? We are done. Thanks for being We're a part here. of our little small community. Cheers. Good night.